Is this the best time to go house hunting? What's happening in the housing market right now is just frustrating. A lot of mixed signals coming from the housing market. Decode this for us and what it means. The issue, if you're trying to buy, is that there just isn't even inventory out there. Come to find out your resource for all things real estate. Current market terms you'll hear and see during a transaction. What to do and not to do once you're in contract. Interviews with industry partners to help you choose who you want on your home team. Home team. Now, here's your host, Sarah Tress. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Come to Find Out. Uh, this week, I have Ryan Reynolds. Um, not the Ryan Reynolds, but in our office, yes. he is the <laughs> Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so he's joining me today. What I wanted to cover was just kind of um, a topic that... Um, you know, tends to get people in trouble. Uh, so it's kind of the top things to not do once you're in contract. And right. so I felt like it was just really good to, um, I have some um, colleagues that have sent me stories that we'll share. And then Ryan has some stories he's going to share. Just really wanted to put it fully into perspective of why you should not do these things. We're not just saying it just because we're trying to be mean and monitor you and yeah. control your life. Exactly. <laughs> but once you're in contract, there are certain things you can't do. Like you can't quit your job. Like, have you ever had anybody go into contract um, and then quit their job? I have had people get laid off, like, uh, okay. or maybe get fired right before closing or a few days before closing. That that obviously causes a pretty big problem. So yeah, uh, I recommend not doing that. Yeah, definitely don't quit. <laughs> If you can avoid getting fired, that's probably a good idea, too. Right. That's a great idea. Um, Well, yeah. And I actually, I had a client that got into contract. Everything was great. She was pre-approved. Everything was awesome. And um, whenever the lender went, it was like, I mean, we were only like three or four days into the contract, but still, when he called the employer to just, you know, verify everything, as lenders do, um, they were like, oh, she quit yesterday. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, oh, Okay, um, you know, so then I have to like have a conversation, you know, with the lender. Like, is there is there any way she can get another job and still hold this together? And he was like, Ugh, not, all done. not really. Yep. So then I like talked to her about it. She was like, sorry, I just didn't like that job anymore. And I was like, <laughs> okay, well, so we ended up having to terminate. So, yeah. um, and actually, she's still, you know, looking for a house. Um, yeah, I'm say. sure she is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've had a couple of situations like that where, um, and actually what's happened, I think the difference is people who haven't bought a house for maybe 10 years, Yeah. Um, they didn't used to do all that checking right the day before closing. So maybe they had old tapes they were playing, so to speak, mm-hmm. that it was okay to do that. But, you know, nowadays they do verify usually at least once or maybe twice, sometimes right in the beginning or during the underwriting period, and then they do it right before closing. It depends on the lender, of course, depending on how many problems they've had or the type of job maybe. But... That's definitely a big problem. Uh, one of the biggest problems though, that I've seen actually is that when, uh, and it's actually not during the contract period as much as before, and that is when someone will not tell their lender the truth about their mm. finances entirely, yes. and then the lender may not necessarily verify all of the information. So um, I've had situations where people exaggerate uh, the amount of money they have to put down, or they, they didn't say it was mom and dad's money that I'm borrowing to put down, or with somebody else who I'm going to get the money from, that's that's can be a problem. Um, and so we'll come back to the money piece. But generally, telling the truth to the lender up front is a really important thing because if you don't tell the lender the truth, then um, especially before they've started to verify everything, they're gonna find out because they are gonna verify everything. Right. And so um, usually if it falls out because of that, it'll happen in the first couple of weeks. 
Uh, I have had it where it didn't fall out for a lot until a lot later, but in some lenders, they just don't verify things until right before closing. Uh, and so, um, if you want to save money by not wasting it on inspections, and, and make sure you tell the lender everything. Tell them, you know, if you've had a bankruptcy or if you've had mm -hmm. anything like that, just be upfront with it because the last thing you want to do is get into contract, spend five hundred to a thousand dollars on inspections, and then have uh, to bail out. Yeah, and have nothing to show for it. Exactly, because uh, to your point, once you've paid for that inspection, you're not getting that money back. Right, like that's that you yep. paid that to the vendor. The vendor did the job that you hired them to do. Yep. So just because you fill out a contract doesn't mean that they are going to refund your money. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah, and this sort of falls along that same lines as uh, people who are not approved, right? yes. pre-approved ahead of time. So uh, one of my sister-in-laws, which she'll rename me nameless, I've uh, <laughs> got a few of them, um, she and I were looking for a house for her when she was out of college, and um, I knew her. So I said, well, I normally require pre-approval up front before we do anything, but family, you know, you just, just think, ah, oh, everything's good. For sure. And um, it turned out that her identity had been stolen. And so we got into contract on a house and then went to the lender to get the pre-approval and couldn't. Couldn't wow. actually do anything because there was a ton of hits on it and it was not good. So she spent about a year cleaning all that up and getting it ready to go before she could actually buy. So I'd say the number one thing is be truthful to the lender, but yep. uh, maybe before that, go to a lender and make sure you're pre-approved officially. Always, yeah. Yep. Well, and especially in this market, you're not even able to submit a contract without yeah, showing pre-approval. So, yeah, exactly. But, you know, I feel like in a shifting market, you know, there might be other agents that kind of think like you, like, oh, you know, uh, this Somebody is family. It's someone I know. Of course they're going to be pre-approved. They told yep. me they have all this money. Like, you know, I, I can tell you I have millions of dollars, but... Sure. <laughs> Trust and verify. I don't. <laughs> yep. Yes. Well, and another big one is... Um, buying a car like yep. do not you know while you're in the pre-approval process searching for homes in contract especially once you're in contract do not go out and purchase a car that's right now of course there are there are exceptions um you know if maybe the house is being in your name and you're getting it in your wife's name but sure. you know again that's very very that's too, too close that's yeah. way too close because what if something happens and the wife ends up having to go on and then your debt yep. to income ratio is messed up? Um, you know, I actually, I got a, a story from Teresa Kenny, who was also in our office mm -hmm. and she um, was sharing that she had a gentleman um, two days before they went into contract purchase <laughs> a um, BMW, like, yep. a, you know, $68,000 nice car. Sure. So not just a beater, um, you know, so $68,000. Well, it didn't show up on his credit until like two days before closing. And so then they were like, um, you now don't qualify. And they ended up having to, you know, they were luckily able to figure it out, but they had to wait an extra month to right. make it all like work out to where he could yep. close. So luckily the seller was willing to wait, the buyer, you know, all of that. But again, like it could have been really, really ugly. Yeah. Have you ever had anyone buy a car? Uh, I've had people do something like that. I mean, they change their financial picture. Yeah. Uh, buy a car. You know, I've had people say, I had to buy a car because my car died. Well, you didn't really have to buy a car. You can maybe rent a car for a month and say you get your house closed if you're already in contract. There are other things you can do. Um, I can understand how mentally people might trap themselves into thinking that was their only option. Mm -hmm. But they have to just ask themselves, do I really want to buy this house or do I really want to buy a brand new car? And you could probably have, probably can't have both. And some people, I shouldn't say can't, but in a lot of cases you can't have both. 
yeah. and still get the loan. So you need to really ask questions, and that would be the, the key to that, is if you need to buy something or want to buy something, we tell our clients, anytime you think about doing anything that's going to change your financial picture from the time you got pre-approved until now, you need to come and ask us about it, and then, not that we're you know, going to give you permission or not, but we're yeah. going to let you know, is this going to screw your deal up or not? Right. Uh, one of the other things I've had problems with, too, is um, not necessarily in terms of canceling the transactions most of the time, but um, delaying them is when someone has funds, but they're in a 401k or they're in a, um, or overseas, for instance. Yeah. And it takes a while to get money from a 401k or from any kind of investment company to sell that investment to clear and then to get those funds transferred into an account to clear again and then to be able to wire transfer those into the, the title company. So uh, what I always tell our clients is if you've got money you're planning to use for the down payment, make sure you have those funds in an account that you have accessible locally uh, at your fingertips. Because if you don't, it may not be a deal canceling thing, but it very well could delay things. And everyone knows that once you've made a commitment to the movers and to the school districts and all the different things you have to coordinate when moving, you really don't want to change that if you can avoid it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's a good point because I had a client that um, works for the state and wanted to pull some money um, out of her pension. And um, to be able to do that, it takes a month for that money to come. We didn't know that until we were already in contract. And so we ended up, you know, we were luckily able to get an extension and everything worked out. But, you know, it it could have been really ugly because, you know, the, the seller had a place that they were already moving to and they had kids that were moving districts you know things like that so to your point you know there's a lot of a lot of moving parts and pieces that like if you're not sticking to that timeline in the contract because of that it could really mess it up and you know the sellers would have been within their rights to be like well you know you can't you can't hold up to your end of the bargain in this market where things are going up in price they might have a better offer yeah. Just waiting behind them because it's been a month later. Yeah, exactly. Something else that actually I would say is not necessarily in the lines of financial, but um, one time I had a client and we had been working together for a while, like I want to say a couple of months to find a house, found a house, got to the closing table. Um, he brought his uh, significant other with him and uh, we were sitting there and um, just chatting and, uh, and uh, it came up that they were married. <gasps> and they weren't either, they were married the whole time, but they had different names and they for whatever reason, I assumed probably was the mistake, and so did the lender yeah. assume that they were single or not. They were just yeah. boyfriend, girlfriend, not actually married. So being married can change your financial picture. So what had to happen was they had to go back and really look at everything because that person now, um, if in the state of Ohio, I don't know if you, if everybody knows, but when you get married, half your stuff belongs to that person mm-hmm. effectively, and so by definition, that means they have to sign the mortgage in order for them, not the note, but the mortgage for them, for someone to be able to purchase a house and the bank to be able to take a, an effective lien on it. And so in that case, it wasn't too big a deal. The title company was able to quickly get some documentation together to have the mortgage restated, resigned. The bank um, was unbelievably willing to help, which wow. a lot of times they just can't move that fast. Yeah. Um, and they got a quick rubber stamp from the underwriter and we got everything taken care of and was able to close, I think it was just later the same day. Um, but that has a high potential of screwing up a deal is if you're married and don't tell somebody or if uh, you get divorced or you get married during the process, that can really mess things up. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And I've had um, kind of the reverse where someone had told me that they were divorced and then right before um, right before closing, literally the night before, I get a call from Title like, hey, um, you know, we called and we asked if his wife was going to be here and he said, no, they're divorced, but they're not actually. And yeah. so we had to like track them down and we were able to do that. But again, unless you have a piece of paper saying, you know, you're divorced, at like y'all are still married. <laughs> right. Yeah, legally, you're married. <laughs> yes. so. Legally. So uh, they're entitled to half of it. Um, buying new furniture. Yeah. Um, so I was talking with a lender, um, you know, because we all. We get excited. Right. We get so excited. But, you know, we were talking about different stories, um, mm-hmm. you know, of different things. And so a lender shared with me that, um, you know, this client was in contract and, you know, they were going, they were a first time home buyer. So they were going from a small apartment to, you know, a, a larger area bigger house so they of course needed more yep. furniture so they like called and they're like oh my gosh I just got like this great deal at you know at Big Sandy and I got all my furniture and the lender was like oh my goodness like do you remember when we talked about this um, you know so now uh, because of that it threw off their debt to income ratio because they got a loan for the furniture because yeah, of course or they got the same as cash which actually yeah. is a loan even though it's not really cash exactly exactly and it still like shows up on your credit right. so anytime you're doing any type of purchase you know uh, it, it, it will affect you but so now this you know this buyer had all of this furniture but didn't qualify for the house anymore right. so you know in that case they were able to return it all and you know but it still delayed everything but they were able to return it all close and then go back and, and repurchase it but again yep. like you know they had opened up that credit card just by opening that line of credit could have messed up his debt yeah. to income ratio to where he wouldn't have even been able to buy and so then he you know either would have had all this furniture and nowhere to go or nowhere to go and no furniture and he you know had already given notice to his apartment complex like so it gets yeah it gets really dicey yeah it could have been homeless yeah I have think you a lot ever of times, had that? Oh, i've definitely had that happen i can't think of the specific situation i do know that uh, lenders frequently make things they, they underwrite the loan and sometimes it's down to the tenth of a percent yeah and so if uh, and the reason why that is is because when you get pre-approved for a five hundred thousand dollar house and you look at $400,000 houses and then you look at $500,000 houses, you probably are going to like the $500,000 houses better, just sort of, of guessing. <laughs> and so you'll probably buy up to your limit. And yeah. when you do that, then you're really, you know, challenge making sure, you're really making it uh, dicey maybe toward the end if you change anything. So on the furniture, I have had that. I've had cars happen. Uh, I've had people... Uh, do things like uh, I think somebody booked a vacation one time. Oh, you know, just <laughs> I mean, who doesn't want to go celebrate their new house? <laughs> and exactly. Fiji. Yeah, Fiji, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I'm sure that was a really cheap vacation they booked too. Right. Yeah. You know, most of them the Fiji are so, right. <laughs> uh, bargain. Right, exactly. I love it. Um, So put a huge purchase on your credit card is another big no-no. Like do not go out and, you know, uh, like I understand if your car broke down, um, you know, and you need to fix it. And it's a very expensive thing. I mean, I I get that. Um, Or, you know, you're shopping for Christmas because we are around the holidays right now. Christmas is a rough one. Yeah. So it's like, oh, well, I've got to get like all of these things. And you're putting all this on your credit card. But again, it can really matter mess up your debt to income ratio yeah and in fact even paying off your credit card can be a problem because sometimes you need that cash to close 
and you have to have a reserve maybe beyond the cash to close you need. So you think all that money is fine, it's your money, you can do whatever you want. However, if you use that money that was part of the reserve to pay off credit cards, it changes the debt to income ratio and it changes the reserve amounts you might have. So it can be, I think I always just tell our clients, if you're gonna do anything or thinking about doing anything that's going to be affecting <laughs> what your financial picture looks like, talk to the lender first and make sure that it's okay to do. And a lot of times they're gonna say, you know, can you just wait two weeks to close and then do it? And uh, most people can wait a couple weeks to do stuff. Right, exactly. And, and I mean, yeah, especially like in the holidays, things like that, you know, like just, just figure, figure yeah. out something else um, or, you know, hold Christmas on Did you know day. Christmas comes <laughs> on 25th of December every year? Wait, it does? It does, yeah. It sneaks up on me every year, but I know it's 25th of <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, you would think that it sneaks up on uh, my husband every year because he waits till the 24th. Yeah, I saw him at the 7-Eleven one. <laughs> he probably did. He got windshield wipers and yeah, wiper that, fluid yeah. that year. Slurpee, you know. big yeah, Slurpee. Absolutely. The biggest Slurpee they had. Yeah. <laughs> Made all the kids happy. It's I'm fine. sure it did. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then opening a new credit card, you yep. know, um, so that also is not a good idea. Again, we understand yeah. things happen, things pop up, but talk to your lender to find out if I do this, can I still purchase this? Exactly. You know, I had somebody that was like, well, hey, my car broke down. I had to take out, you know, a Midas credit card to be able to, you know, fix it, things like that. I get that. Yep. But because they did that, unfortunately, they were so tight in their debt to income ratio that then they didn't qualify for the house anymore. Yeah. So, you know, we had to terminate that contract and we had to, you know, and luckily they were able to, you know, I, I told them, I said, you know what? The the silver lining to this is at least you were able to access the credit to get your car, yeah. you know, ready. So that's good. And then we just had to wait, you know, a few more months for all of that to kind of settle down and to get paid off. And then they were able to, you know, get into contract. So it worked yeah. out in the end, but it's... And most of the time it does. It does. Yeah. But it's just not going to work out on the timeline that you first thought about. And all you're doing is making things more difficult if you don't follow these Ten Commandments. That's right. The Ten Commandments. We actually give our clients the Ten Commandments and we ask them to follow it. And every one of them, some of them sound kind of silly. You're like, really? Uh, but people have done those things and they've screwed up their credit or they screwed up their deal in some way. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Well, and another one is um, don't co-sign for anything with yep. anyone, um, especially once you're in contract because, or even or just ever. in the pre-approval, right, <laughs> never, for <Yeah>. sure. <laughs> but I understand, you know, like there are exceptions and people will swear on everything that's holy that their kid is never going to default on anything and it's fine. It's fine. You can do whatever you want. It's your money, it's your yeah. credit, whatever. But, um, you know, especially once you're in the pre-approval process, if you co-sign, that is still your debt. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, that's a lot of people don't think that. You're signing up for it. Yeah. Like they think, oh, well, it's in their name. I'm just the co-signer, so it's not going to matter. Like, no, no, it actually should just say signer. Right. Yeah. It should. It should. Because I think people do get misled sometimes. Maybe not misled, but just don't understand yeah. fully that when you sign up for a co-signer, in fact, I'm a big Dave Ramsey fan, of course. And yeah. so he, he says basically never co-sign for anyone. If you want to co-sign for somebody, just give them the money. Yeah. Because that probably is what's going to end up happening. Uh, but still, if you do have to co-sign for someone, again, I think really the, the big common thread to all this is communication. If yeah. you talk to your lender and talk to your agent about, uh, this is what I'm thinking I need to do, or this is something that happened and I need this to do to do this, then you might be able to do it most of the time. But unless you ask, you're running the risk of screwing up your transaction and then potentially all your other dominoes uh, in the process. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, another one uh, is changing jobs while in contract. Yep. So, you know, obviously I understand, you know, you may get a better job offer and, you know, the timing may not be okay. I always or relocating t- for the job. Right. Exactly. Yep. I always tell people like you need to make sure you talk to the lender about that. So make sure like if it's a, you know, an apples to apples switch. Okay. That's fine. But uh, probably again, yep. I'm not a lender, so I can't tell you hundred <laughs> percent. Like, so exactly. I'll just talk to your lender. Yep. Um, but I can tell you, you know, if it's apples to apples, it's less likely to hinder it, but it also might be easier if you're just like, Hey, could I start in, you know, three weeks or whatever it is? And then that way you can, you know, you can close on the house and then start your new job. Yep. Um, I mean, I've, I've had that happen before where someone was like, hey, I got this job offer. It is literally like my dream job. We talked with the lender. The lender was like, yep, it's actually more money um, that they're going to be making in this dream job. And it's salary, you know, so it's yep. apples to apples. So we can just move that and it's okay because it is still a continuance of work. Yep. It wasn't, you know, even though they hadn't, obviously they wouldn't have been there for two years. Actually talking about that along that lines, I think what you said just reminded me, I did have a client one time who was in the same job, but switched from a W-2 employee to a 1099 employee. Mm-hmm. And um, he was going to make more money, which was great because when you're a 1099 employee, you don't get your taxes paid by your employer. You actually have to pay your employer taxes. Um, but anyway, the, the problem was really that um, when you are a 1099 employee or you're, or you're basically a self-employed person, you have to have two years of tax returns showing that you're going to be making the money that you're making because as a 1099 employee, there's less of an obligation on the employer's part. And so lenders look at that as though it's um, not permanent until you've been there at least two years and can prove that that business is going to return or bring in that income. So um, if that were to happen, and it did happen to us um, the one time, and I think in that case, it actually canceled the deal altogether. Like he couldn't get anything. Um, and so, but what he, I think, could have done would talk to the employers, hey, can I do this, to your point, next month instead of this month? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because most of the time employers are going to understand, you know, yeah. like, oh, yes, you're in the middle of this. Like, of course, you know, we can push back your start date, um, you know, whatever. Yeah. So Most time not to be a problem. Yeah, exactly. But it's always just making sure that, you know, you're communicating with the lender. You're making sure that everyone really, you know, like kind of is on the same page and mm-hmm. signs off on that. Yep. So can you think of anything else? Um, you know, because I know, like you said, you give the, the document of the Ten Commandments, which I think is amazing. And who wouldn't want Ryan Reynolds' right. top Ten Commandments? For sure. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, could be, it could be dead on. So right. <laughs> I love it. Can yeah. you think of anything else, um, though, that maybe we didn't cover or any, like, stories that kind of stand out that, you know, that you feel like, especially a first-time homebuyer or someone who hasn't bought in the last, you know, five years, yeah. um, maybe you should really know? Uh, I think the biggest is really just the communication part. I mean, just letting the lender know up front what, um, what the situation is and having that be true all the way through, not changing things. I don't really think of any situation off the top of my head that is um, completely different than that. They usually just come down to either pride or omittance. Like people <laughs> just forget to tell somebody something or they don't think something will affect everything else. When you're in contract, everything affects everything. So you have to really be careful about any changes, any changes at all that you make. Yeah, 
Exactly. Well, and no closing out credit cards because yep. um, that can affect your, you know, your credit balance and even your credit history. Um, you know, just I, I was trying to think of some other things that, you know, yeah. like lenders have also told people because, you know, I really just want this to be a resource for people that are going in to purchase because um, this is what you and I do all day, every day. Yeah. So we just know. And so to us, it almost... I don't want to say it's common sense, but it feels like it's maybe second nature to yeah. us, you know, because I don't missing think payments. it is. That's the other thing. Yeah. Missing payments. You can't, if you miss a payment, Ugh. so if you're close on your credit score yeah. and then you miss a payment or come late with something, uh, that can be a big problem. That's the, other, the only other thing I can think of. It's been a real issue. Yeah. Uh, or be, maybe you're a 740 and then you do end up... You get so busy with everything, you forget, and then you miss the payment, and it brings you to a 700. Yeah. Well, the cutoff is 720, so unless you, uh, and that, that would mean your rate would be effective, affected, which would then change the amount of your payment, which would affect the debt to income, and then the possibility that you would be able to be approved for that loan. So, yeah. That's probably the other big one. Yeah, no, that's a really good um, point because I had somebody actually do that, um, and it did. It affected their debt to income ratio. It affected their interest rate. It affected, um, you know, the amount of money that they were going to spend. And because it was such a tight line, anyways, they ended up not being able to you know, complete the transaction. And so we had to terminate and, yep. um, you know, wait until they were able to kind of get back up to that 740 credit score. <clears throat> Excuse me. And of course, by waiting, then, you know, the market's shifting, prices are going up, you, know, you never know what days. rates are going to do. Yeah. yeah. Like it may work out in your favor and rates go down. Cool. But it more than likely the way we've been seeing it this it's year, risk. it's a huge <laughs> risk and it could go up. Yep. So, Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking oh, time. My pleasure. I really appreciate it. Um, again, Ryan Reynolds, um, he is with Keller Williams Consultants, um, has an amazing team and is thank an amazing, you. yeah, amazing resource. So I'm really, really excited that you sat down with me. It well, means a thanks lot. Thanks again. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, of course. Of course. So make sure that you uh, follow the show so you never miss an episode. Uh, review this and share it with someone that you think it might be helpful. Uh, it will also be on YouTube. Uh, it's the same title. Uh, so come to find out um, so you can find it on YouTube uh, we were joking earlier I said on the YouTube <laughs> so you know it's yeah. on the internet on you're, the web you're experienced right <laughs> exactly so yeah so you can go to YouTube or you can um, obviously stream this wherever you uh, listen to your podcasts so um, thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you next time on come to find out